This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart. You're listening to the Market Insights Market Pulse podcast. And today we're joined by Craig Earlham in London and Kelvin Wong in Singapore. Good morning from London, guys. Hi, good morning to all. Good morning. Now, of course, the big story of the weekend is the announcement from OPEC. Oil prices have risen after Saudi Arabia said it would make cuts of a million barrels per day in July. And other members of OPEC Plus also agreed to continue cuts in production in an attempt to shore up flagging prices. So, Kelvin, how have markets reacted where you are this morning? Yep. So if you look at the WTI crude oil prices, the LCO, uh, it rallied by close to about 2.7%. But it seems to me that uh, it's a kind of a positive reaction. But on the top side, we got to be a bit more cautious. Why? Uh, because we start to see uh, several external demand that is still lackluster. More of it is definitely coming out from Asia, which is China, that is still in the last couple of days uh, reflecting a rather weak uh, PMI data numbers. And also, do not forget over here is that this week we have another set of China data that is coming up, which is on Friday, the uh, May inflation data, as well as the PPI uh, factory gate data uh, for to, to actually determine the cost of goods being produced in China. So, Craig, oil, as Kelvin just intimated, is up today as much as nearly two and a half percent as far as Brent crude goes to around $77 a barrel. It did actually get pegged back a little bit earlier, but it's gone up again. What do you think is going on? To be honest, I think it's kind of behaving as you should expect. We saw the oil price rally in the last couple of days going into the weekend. That was effectively a bit of an OPEC hedge. We saw the prices drifting lower to their lows. And given the warnings that we'd had from Saudi Arabia, it was always likely that we were going to see them leverage some of their influence in some way or another. And I think the meeting kind of almost went as many people anticipated. It was hard to get OPEC Plus entirely on board with a production cut. So there were some technical tweaks within there because some countries were not already producing to the levels they were meant to. So they kind of adjusted for that, which created a kind of in theory cut, but not in reality. Then there was the Saudi cut itself, a million barrels a day. Uh, so they kind of gone unilaterally here because they couldn't convince other countries to actually join in these cuts. And then there was this kind of token offer, I guess, from the other members to Saudi Arabia to try and display unity. But in reality, uh, I think it's a bit feeble. And I think that's why we've seen this unusual start to trade and what i'm referring to there is a commitment from the start of 2024 to cut production by more than a million barrels a day for the rest of the year and also extend their current cuts from the end of 23 to 2024 the reason why i say it's a token offer is a lot can change in six months and they can change their commitment to that in six months time Ordinarily, they would not announce something like this six months out. So you've got to ask the question, why would you do that now? And it's because Saudi Arabia didn't want to be seen to acting alone. They wanted this to show unity. They wanted to show that they were all in this together, but they're not all in this together. Saudi Arabia is far more price obsessed than the other members, and therefore they wanted to cut production and other members wouldn't agree. So this was kind of the compromise. And therefore, that's why they've announced these extra measures. So if you're in the market, how do you take this? Well, for one, I think you take this as a sign of weakness within the group which is i think why we've seen a lot of this volatility we are a million barrels down a day from july so that has to be priced in what happens in 2024 is almost 
to some extent irrelevant now because if the economy doesn't slump as many people expect it to and there's no OPEC plus now expected to, you can guarantee that they'll reverse those production cuts. So the only important thing here is the Saudi cut. And that's what we've effectively seen today. You've seen the price shoot up on the open, which is what you'd expect with an announcement like this in very thin trade. So it traded up around 5% at one stage. Then it paired those quite considerably and that's around 2.5% higher. I wouldn't be surprised if it gave up the bulk of that over the coming uh, days, uh, maybe even weeks uh, again. And this attempt at uh, a coordinated move is actually seen as a sign of weakness within the group, the fact that they're not on the same page. And it wouldn't surprise me if we do see markets almost uh, move on that perceived weakness. Because let's face it, Saudi Arabia, they've still got some way to go, but they're down to 9 million barrels a day now. There's only so many times they can move unilaterally before they're causing themselves far more harm and they're not acting in any way like a group. So... Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the markets trade now over the course of this week, whether we see markets move on the weakness within the group or whether we see traders respond more positively to that million barrels a day. And today we've kind of seen a bit of both so far. And the Saudis, of course, they have to trade carefully because they have this target, this break-even number of $80 a barrel, which we're obviously still short of. So it, they are playing quite a risky game, aren't they? They are, especially considering they've said so many times before that they are not price obsessed, that they are not price driven. They are driven by balance in the markets. And I mean, we can understand the two are linked, right? The price moves as per the balance in the markets. If you're oversupplied, the price goes low for you. Undersupplied, the price uh, goes higher. Uh, and when oil's trading around 80 to $90 a barrel, maybe Saudi Arabia believes that that's a reflection of balance within the markets. But if you've got this break-even price, then they are also motivated to keep the price above those levels in order to remain very profitable as they have been now for the, especially for the last a year to 18 months but even with their latest move brent crude's now trading at 78 dollars a barrel so are they going to be happy with that is are they comfortable with that for now and if we see it actually rotate lower from that what will they do next what is if you're saudi arabia now what is your next move do you cut again another million barrels a day and keep pushing unilaterally can you convince other countries to join you when they clearly refused to this time around i think they're in a really difficult position now it almost feels like they've still got nine million barrels a day to play with but it almost feels like they've played their hand and they may not have many options left on the table they can't just keep cutting unilaterally this is their main source of revenue and therefore they need to produce barrels of oil in order to hit that it's a dual effort in, in that they need higher prices and you need to actually produce the oil itself and now it seems that it's uh, quickly running out of options and like i said i wonder if the market's going to take that as a sign of weakness yeah and the fact that the price remains below that target what is behind that i mean is it just the fact that global demand for oil isn't what it used to be and that's the way we're going to go forward it's not necessarily it's not what it used to be it's the fact that People are anticipating the global economy is not performing very well. Kelvin just alluded to it. We've had the US that most people think is now going to fall into recession because we're seeing so much resilience in the economy that the Fed is going to have to effectively push it too far and that will tip it into recession. And we still haven't seen the full effect of the banking crisis yet and what that's had on credit conditions. And if the Fed moves again one or two more times, then that could be enough to just tip the economy into recession. Europe is on the brink. It's shown some resilience, but Germany is already in recession. The UK, I can't imagine a scenario where the UK doesn't face recession at some point in the next year. And the reason is because if interest rates go to 5.5%, I just don't feel like that is sustainable. But at this point in time, inflation is incredibly stubborn. And then China, the world's second largest economy, the biggest economy in Asia, 
is not bouncing back in the way that many thought it was and not in the way that it appeared to be early on in this kind of post-COVID zero era. Um, that's a lot of downside risks for the global economy. And that means lower demand for oil. And also, aside from that, what growth we are seeing is services driven. It's not being driven by trade. It's not being driven by factory output. You look at factory output figures in Germany, uh, etc. recently, and it's not been good. You look at the manufacturing PMIs that Kelvin was re referring to in China. They've not been good. They're all in contraction territory. So these areas of industry that have heavy reliance on, on these types of commodities uh, are all in uh, contraction. And then you look at the taxi services, which is seeing the growth that is driving all of these economies. So you've got effectively you've got a manufacturing recession at this point in time. So that's not going to be helping the demand side either. Very interesting, Craig. Kelvin, let's get back to you now. And uh, tomorrow we're set for an announcement from the RBA. What are markets expecting? Uh, yes, uh, so we are looking at this uh, Australia Central Bank uh, interest rate hike decision for tomorrow. If you look at the current situation right now, it's pretty interesting. Based on the ASX 30-day interbank futures, that is uh, on the futures, 30-day futures on the OCR, the official cash rate, which the RBA is actually doing their monetary policy on. Initially, a week ago, around at this time point, um, at the start of last week, it was actually indicating almost... Uh, no hike at all. That means status quo at 3.85% for the OCR. But however, based on as of today, the latest uh, data from this uh, ASX 30-day interbank futures, right now it's actually pricing at least a quarter chance, which is 33% chance of a 25 basis point height. So what's interesting over here is the reaction of the Aussie dollar. So let's talk about, uh, before I talk about the reaction of the Aussie dollar, uh, maybe we could look at the, uh, I could discuss a bit more about the drivers that causes this change in expectation from 0% to a 33% chance of at least a 25% height tomorrow to bring up to 4.10. Two reasons over here is basically it's two sets of inflationary data. They have one this last release middle of last week, which is the monthly uh, CPI uh, data that's for Australia, Australia uh, money CPI data for the month of April. Actually, it went up again at 6.8% uh, year-on-year from 6.3% in March. So that's a kind of a, a bit uh, hot on the inflationary side of the story. And also this morning, we have a privately surveyed Melbourne Institute monthly inflation gauge report. So that's a uh, pretty uh, kind of a updated one for the month of May. So uh, just fresh out of today. So uh, it actually went up to a high of 0.9% month on month. That's a four month high uh, against a 0.2% uh, month on month in April and also above a forecast of 0.4%. So that gives rise of a kind of a, a gauge of a bad call. Uh, inflation still relatively hot in Australia that causes at least a chance of a potential chance of uh, RBA getting a bit sticky, uh, a, a bit cheeky again to actually potentially uh, high at 25 basis point. The impact on the foreign exchange market, uh, I want to touch on with the Aussie dollar. So as we know that last Friday after exposed US non-farm payroll data, which is relatively strong above expectation, that actually saw a dollar resurgence story, uh, especially in the euro, in the sterling and against the Japanese yen. But however, if you start to see against the Aussie dollar, uh, because of this uh, RBA uh, central bank potential, we call it interest rate high risk, that is keeping Aussie dollar on support against the USD. So if you look at the Aussie dollar uh, right now, uh, in fact, uh, right now it's actually trading slightly uh, almost unchanged of Friday close, at which is at 66.04, uh, around 66 figure. So from its low on last Friday, right, it actually rallied close to about 180 pips 
to a high of uh, 66.38 on Friday. So that's exposed US uh, non-farm payroll data. So if you could start to see if uh, RBA starts to actually hide tomorrow, I think that's only a 33% chance, not fully priced in. Uh, we could potentially see a further support, so further resilient on the Aussie dollar against the US dollar, despite that the US dollar has started to see a bit of a resurgence in strength coming into the back of the other major currency like the Euro, the Sterling and the Japanese yen, uh, exposed uh, US non-farm payroll data. Kelvin Wong in Singapore, Craig Earlham in London, thanks for joining us this morning. My pleasure. Thanks for having us. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.